Welcome back to your journey to happiness. Today is season two, episode 25. The journey to happiness begins. That's right, my friends. I am happy to announce that a good friend of mine by the name of Robert is beginning his officially beginning his journey to happiness this week because he bought his is or is or bought or is buying his first motorcycle this week and I will get into that shortly but for a quick update of what's going on for those of you who might be interested so since I last went to the property in Virginia um, a buyer again I gotta stop saying um but a buyer came to look at it I didn't get any feedback from the from the uh, real estate agent but you know what it's no big deal I'm, I'm very patient here I'm not desperately selling and I'm not going to solicitate what's well, not solicitate solicit uh, feedback from the broker I'm not going to call him and say hey so did he like it because I don't want to show that A I'm desperate which I'm not and B I, you know I don't I don't really care whether the guy thought it was underpriced or overpriced or what, I couldn't care less. It's the price I want, a million two fifty, and I will get it. And that's it. As the world melts, which it is, we now have six million, over six million gooly goos in our country. So pretty soon, someone is going to someone is going to see the value in having sixty-five acres in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Believe me, they're going to see a lot of value in that pretty soon. As soon as these gooly googoos start going into their backyards and swimming pools in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Texas, or wherever, they're going to love having a property, uh, my property in Virginia, believe me. So I'm going to hold out for the big payday. Anywho, so that's an update with the property. And um, I'm just going to spend, you know, the next year spending time there, enjoying the property you know, putting a little sweat equity in, making it look good. Uh, someone um, uh, suggested I, I try and stage it, you know, and I wasn't even thinking about that. So next, you know, so the next time I go there, you know, I'll, I'll stage it, you know, put up a little wine rack, a couple of wine bottles, a couple of a bottle of bourbon, a couple of glasses on the, this one little section of the counter that might be perceived to be the bar area, so to speak, right? It's actually a little section where I used to have my toaster, but it would be a nice bar area. Maybe I'll put out a nice little, um, like a kind of a marble type board that I have, uh, you know, for, um, it's almost like a charcuterie board or a cheese board type thing. I'll lay that out to make it look good. So I am going to do a little staging next time I'm there to make it look good. And, and, you know, of course, do what I can for the property and just basically enjoy it, you know. It'll eventually sell. I know it will. I'm in a rush right now. Uh, so that's an update with that. Uh, as far as working, I've been doing a lot of work or you know, and learning this new thing for me. It's um, it's doing criminal defense work as a private investigator, something I've never done before. And really, what it is is the um, the firm that I'm working with. They have agreements. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're really contracts, but they have agreements with various attorneys throughout the state. And um, these attorneys have clients 
that are in state prison, possibly maybe federal prison, I'm not sure, but so far what I've seen mostly it's state prison. Uh, a couple of ongoing cases that are going to trial, things like that. But mostly it's old stuff. And it's serious stuff. It's like double homicides, you know, home invasions, rob- serious robberies. And and the clients of these attorneys are in for like 20 years to 60 years to life, all that stuff, right? You know, hardcore stuff. And what the issue is that these are what's called... The majority of these cases that I'm working on are called habeas corpus cases. And what that really is, is, and this is something totally new to me, I'll be honest with you. Uh, even though I was a homicide detective and all that, but it's this part of it, like the criminal defense work is all new to me. So, and it, for example, uh, a typical client might be in, in doing 60 years in a state prison for a double homicide. And either he was denied at appeal after he lost his original trial, or he wasn't allowed to bring an appeal. There's certain reasons why you can't bring an appeal. Um, or, uh, what else could be the, with the reason? Well, put it this way. The appeal process is either has been exhausted for whatever reason. So his la- uh, defendants, or an inmate's last resort, is what's called habeas corpus. And in that case, what he's what the defendant's doing is he's trying to say he or she is trying to say that that at the original trial, which where he was convicted for the original crime, the homicide or whatever it may be, he his counsel his attorney was ineffective. You know, did some did not do something he was he by a reasonable attorney or defense attorney would do, or. What's another reason? There's a few reasons for, to bring forth a habeas corpus claim. So, ineffective counsel is one. Uh, maybe conflict conflict of interest. And I'm sure there's a couple other reasons that I'm, I'm learning about. So, in these cases, the defendant or the inmate would like his attorney, his or her attorney, via their investigator, meaning me, you know, re-interview witnesses. Because, you know, maybe the witnesses... Maybe they lied about their testimony that I identified him as the shooter or something like that. And now they're willing to, you know, recant their testimony or, or, or admit that they may have received con- consideration from the prosecutor because they themselves, meaning the witnesses, had opened criminal cases themselves and they were promised a lighter sentence or no sentence whatsoever if they testified against this particular guy. And apparently it happens all the time and I didn't realize this until now. And I think it's unfortunate. I really do. So far out of the one, out of let's say the what, the four clients I've met so far in prison, one of them really seems like he got railroaded. The other ones I think are just lying through their teeth, but one of them does seem like he got railroaded. For example, this was in the projects. This guy, this defendant was like a known drug dealer. This was his particular area. He owned the project, so to speak, right? He controlled it. And other factions or groups wanted to gain control. So some shooting did happen. And but now they're going to they're going to ID him to get him out of the picture. 
I mean, it's not a far cry. It has happened before. I'm sure it's going to happen again. In this case, it seems like this may have happened. Doesn't mean it's easy to prove. But I'm just saying, it seems like this guy was railroaded that the local detectives wanted to hang something on him because they, they knew the guy. They hated him. You know, people in the projects or other dealers in that area wanted to kind of take over that area. And what better way is to get him out of the picture? What better way to get him out of the picture is to identify him as a shooter on a Friday night, right? During a shooting. So, uh, it's a little concerning to me because, um, you know, I mean, in this case, like, there was, you know, no gun was recovered, you know, no DNA, and just like a couple of mutts or project rats, whatever you want to call them, decided that they're going to identify this guy. So, uh, Anyway, so, you know, I just think this guy might have been, this one particular guy might have been railroaded. But, um, you know, I don't take this emotional. And um, I'm certainly not, like, pro-cop on this just because I was uh, in law enforcement for 23 years. I've always followed the, the facts of the case regardless. So, you know, regardless whether this guy did the homicide or did, did drugs, was a drug dealer and then did the shooting... I really don't care. I just want to go with the facts of the case. And if it turns out the prosecution did something wrong or the detectives didn't do, you know, didn't do their job as investigating, as an investigator, then, I, you know, that's something I, I do. I would like to uncover. Absolutely. 100%. I follow the facts. I don't, it's not emotional for me. So I started doing criminal defense work a few weeks ago. It's, 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 it's good. It's new to me. So I got to find my little groove, so to speak. So it is a little overwhelming. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And I will eventually get into a groove and I'll just bang it out and uh, be the great investigator I have always been. And then I'll make some good money. I also, you know, it's funny. I don't know if, uh, I mean, I think I told you guys that when I was doing that um, that little gig ski of delivering auto parts, which was really bringing pretty good money. Sadly, it's putting a wear and tear on my truck and mileage and gas. And it's just crazy. But it's it, it is nice that it's, it's you know 10.99 income every week deposit into my business account you cannot get better than that seriously and that's what i liked about it but you know my super the supervisor or the route manager whatever you want to call him you know he was kind of abusing me he uh you know he pissed me off because the one steady route he gave me during the in the morning apparently he i think he gave that route at I think he gave that route, the night ver- or the early morning or overnight version of that route to a new guy, and that kind of pissed me off and all this, but, and then a new guy was screwing up, and, you know, I basically presented it to my supervisor, I said, listen, why don't, you, why don't you move the other guy to something else and put me on this particular route, this way I have the same route on, you know, in the early morning hours and, and, and the regular morning hours, and at least I, there's some consistency, because... These store, the retail locations that I go to, I, you know, I think, you know, the general managers and, or the, or the, even just the managers and the regular managers, they, I think they like to see consistency. So this particular supervisor, I, I don't think he's doing the right thing. But the point is, I presented something to him. He didn't want to go for it. I presented it again when I heard more complaints about this particular guy at night. Didn't want to hear it. In fact, the guy even said to me, he goes, oh, I'm not going to go back. And forth with honest with you, clearly took it the wrong way that I was presenting it, presenting it, 
And um and then he literally took my took my route away from me. He sends me a text in the last 15 minutes of my my route as I was returning to like the main hub so to speak on a Saturday afternoon. And he's like, "Yeah, listen, as of Monday, you know, we got we got your route covered. You're good. We don't need you." I mean, that was pretty you know, pretty low. I didn't say F you, what's wrong, why? Like I you know what? I saw the writing on the wall because I basically I basically called this guy out, but I called him out to his face about how he was mishandling his people. I called him out on it. And you know, people don't like that. But I don't care. I'm not there to make friends. And as I'm calling him out, I'm also giving him a solution. I'm not complaining. I'm calling him out and I'm giving him a solution. What's better for the team? Didn't want to take my advice. Chose to, you know, kind of get rid of me. You know, he really, I mean, he didn't fire me. He could just take the route away from me. That's what he did. And you know what? It worked out well because I ended up, I had to go to Virginia that next week anyway. And you know what? He might have used that that as, a, as, an, as an opportunity to get rid of me anyway. It doesn't really matter. But the funny thing is, is that two days ago, or whatever, what's what's today? Today's what? Fr- uh, oh, it's going to be Friday. Today's Thursday. My God. Mink. Today's Thursday. I'm trying to think. When, when the hell did he... He just he texted me. No, he called me. I'm sorry. And I'm trying to think. I think he called me on a Monday. I think he called me this past Monday. And he's like... Uh, so, Joe, remember that thing we were talking about, which was really my idea, not his, and all of a sudden he's like, we, we were talking about, you know, where, you know, you do your regular route, and then you do the overnight part of it. He goes, uh, you know, how do you feel about doing that now? So, clearly, whoever was doing it, the nighttime guy was still effing up to the point where this, this supervisor couldn't take it anymore. And I, I think, on, on top of it, this dopey supervisor, not, not only did he bump me, bump, basically bump, take my route away, but he put the guy on the overnight that was effing up his route. He gives him my route as well, which is almost like a promotion. And the guy just F's that up even more. You know, to the point where the store managers are really upset. So I guess it came to a head. And I think a couple of store managers say, you know, said, hey, well, what, what the hell happened to Joe? Why don't you give Joe the route back? And why don't you give the night one too? You know, that might have transpired. I'm not sure. I think something to that effect transpired. I know one guy um, who was a former cop, he, uh, I know he spoke up for me. He's like, well, listen, you know, where's Joe? Why don't you give him the route back? You know? And so this, so basically this route supervisor on Monday said, hey, you know, what do you say about, and then I, of course, use that opportunity to get more money for the both routes. Because I, I, that's another thing what I, why I was pissed back then was because for the night, the overnight version of my route that I was getting a certain amount for, that was paying more per day. And that, you know, I understood why, but it bothered me. So I ended up getting that money and then more on mine. And, and what's weird is that it sounds, it, it seems like he even gave me more. So anyway, the point is, they, they asked me to come back. They gave me more money. I used it as an opportunity to get more money. I did. And it that kind of money is really worth it. It's going to help me tremendously accomplish some things I need to do financially 
ASAP and for the rest of the summer. There's a lot of expenses coming up. Property taxes for two properties, Long Island, Virginia. You know, home insurance for the cabin in Virginia is due this month. Like, it's so many things. I mean, like I mentioned in my last episode, so many things are coming up. It's overwhelming. And this is the only thing that's going to help me survive, seriously. Because it's steady money, it's good money in my bank account every Thursday. The uh, criminal defense, and plus, again, the beauty of it too is that I'm done with both both routes by two in the afternoon. So then, now I have time to do this legal defense work. Uh, the only issue is if will be a problem is if you know an attorney wants me to meet her and her client in a particular state prison. You know, early in the morning, like which happened the other day. So, listen, for now, I'm going to try and juggle both of them because the money's good, and we'll see what happens. So, that's the story with that. The update on my new, my recent diagnosis of uh, being an overthinker is I, I am, I'm still overthinking, but I am... I think I'm doing a better job of not letting it get in my way. I'm not getting in my own way like before like I was. I think I'm I think I'm in control, you know, in somewhat control of it. Or I may be curtailing it so to speak. So that's the silly update on the me being an overthinker, but I know I I really I do believe that I am an overthinker and I'm still trying to process that. But I'm trying hard not to overthink or at least do that publicly, you know, in front of other people. So I'll do I'll be like the Jews. I'll suffer in silence. All right. So getting back to my friend Robert, I'm very excited for him. He was a big part of my motorcycle journey for sure. He I know he drove me to the dealership on Long Island. When I picked up my 2020 challenge, Indian Challenger. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm tired. I was up at 3.30 in the morning with this uh, the new gig, Auto Parts gig ski. So I am super tired. Anywho, so he drove me, I know for sure, at least once. I know he drove me, drove me a few times to the dealership. Once for sure to pick up that 2020 Challenger. I'm not sure if he was there to drove me to pick up the... Chieftain Limited in 2018. Um, not, but I know he definitely drove me a couple of times. Maybe it was for getting service done on my bike, whatever the case may be. He was a big part of my journey, a big help, and I, I really appreciate. And then more recently in December, if you remember, he decided to drive 12 hours or 11 hours to my cabin to real basically help me put my Indian Challenger onto a U-Haul tr- motorcycle trailer so I could bring it back to New York and trade it in. So he was a, a huge, I couldn't have done it without him. And I told you that back then in my podcast. So, you know, he, he's been a good friend for a long time. We went to college together. I've known him since probably 1981, I think, because he was a year younger than me. So I went out there in 1980 to Nebraska. He came out in 81. So, you know, we've been friends ever since. So... But he was was a big part of my motorcycle journey. We used to meet a lot of times for breakfast or lunch in the summer times since 2018, since I got my first bike where, 
you know, I'd bring the bike and we'd talk about it and all this cool stuff. And I could see he was getting the, the, uh, the itch, itch, I'm sorry, I'm beat. The itch to buy something. I didn't, I wouldn't say I super encouraged him because, you know, motorcycle is not for everybody. And I certainly wouldn't want to encourage somebody to, you know, to the point where they might get hurt. I wouldn't want that. So I definitely encouraged him to find the right bike that's a good fit for him, get the right motorcycle training, things like that. So it seems like he, uh, he I mean, he passed his basic uh, BRC, basic rider course by the MSF, uh, Motorcycle Safety Foundation. It's a, you know, two-day riding, one, uh, I guess one, used to be one-day class time, but now it's online. So he passed that. Uh, actually, he he didn't pass it the first time. He got, they made him come back for one day as a, like a remedial thing. And I, you know, I did, I did say to him that, listen, it, you know, this will let you know, this class is, the basic class will let you know if you think you could do, do, you know, handle a bike on, you know, on this, on the open roads or the open streets. And uh, he seems to feel okay about it. I'm not sure if he went to his... Because um, I suggested, I think maybe his other instructor may have suggested too, that... that Because um, he took this class, I think, last fall. So now, in the spring that he's getting his, he's actually getting his bike, he, uh, he could take the class again. And I think he should do that. So I definitely suggested that. I definitely, I suggested definitely him getting the proper training and taking it slow. You know, because I am a little, I'm happy for him, but I am a little bit nervous as well for him. Because I don't, I don't really know how confident he is riding and riding in the streets. So I'm trying to get him to, you know, practice in the parking lots, things like that. Uh, sadly, I wanted to help him bring drive the bike to his storage facility from the dealership like he had always helped me but I, I, I'm so busy I'm busy with work I'm um, I'm uh, what's the word uh, I'm definitely busy with my legal defense work and I am uh, you know um, what's the word uh, uh, what's the word I am uh busy with defense work, but plus I'm also, you know, uh, busy with this, the new auto parts uh, thing, because they gave me two routes now, so uh, I wanted to help him drive his motorcycle from the dealership back to, he got a storage facility for himself, because his family would lose their shit, like my family at the time, if he brought home a motorcycle, so I, you know, suggested he get a storage facility, and, you know, let it just be between him, you know, him and and me, so to speak, and um, he's doing that, which I think is good, but I'm so proud of him, because I know him, and I know this is a big step for him, I hope he doesn't get hurt, I hope he takes it seriously, I hope, uh, you know, next year he goes for some advanced training, it's unfortunate that I sold, I recently sold or traded in my Indian Challenger, so I can't even ride with him, uh, which I think would be a tremendous help for him, but at some point I will be able to. 
So, uh, so that's the story. I'm happy for him. It's a, it's going to be a new journey for him. It's going to be a happy journey. Hopefully, it'll be a safe journey. But I'm really proud of him because I know it's a big step. I know him, and I know it's a big step to actually get the space. You know, get the key for that space and be ready to put a bike in on Saturday and Sunday to get the key and to drive that bike to that spot. I think that's important. So, but anyway, I am happy for him. It's, it's, I just hope he stays safe. But as long as he stays safe, I think it's going to be a, a new journey to happiness for him it might even be his first journey to happiness I don't know but I'm very happy for him I support him 100% I just hope he doesn't get hurt honestly so that's the story with that my friends and that's it I don't think I have anything else to report uh, do I no I'm still an overthinker and uh, I went somewhere and got steady steady uh, what's the word What's steady at you know Walmart? I forget now, but um, anyway, I'm very happy for him, and I, and I just wish him the best of luck. I wish I could ride with him and help him. I just can't right now, and I officially you know uh, uh, what's the word? Turned down um, you know um, delivery of my my next motorcycle that I ordered because now it's just not the right time. But again, I hope my my I wish my friend Robert the best. I hope he just takes it slow this summer. I told him where to go to practice. And, you know, little by little, get used to getting on the highways, off the highways. And then, you know, getting on uh, the country roads, getting off the highways, getting on the highway. I'm sorry. Getting, uh, you know, getting off a particular country road into a driveway or a parking lot. Getting onto a country road. You know, I I definitely uh, encourage him to do that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, um, I definitely want to, uh, you know, go over the, uh, the, um, you know, the, um, the auto parts for him in case he's got to carry something with him or something like that. So I'm just super really happy for him. I'm a little nervous for him too. I hope he doesn't get hurt. I hope nothing serious happens. I'm just, all I can do is be happy for him. Uh, that's really much all I could do. But anyway, thanks for listening to Your Journey to Happiness. And hopefully you, like my friend Robert, will start your own journey to happiness. So thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And I will chat with you as soon as I can.